Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, hey, everybody. I'm glad you guys are here today. Welcome, and uh, we're excited to see you. We're continuing our series called You Asked For It. Earlier this year, we asked you back in the uh, spring to... Uh, we encourage you to ask questions maybe that um, you would like to ask God if we're given the chance to do that, or maybe uh, questions about the Bible maybe that you would like answered. And so we're taking this series in the summer to answer some of those questions. And so one of the questions uh, that we saw was, tell me how the church is relevant to my life. Why is it that the church is so important, and why should I be a part of it? Why should the church matter to me? And so I hope today to answer some, some of those questions um, I don't know about you, but there's probably about eight churches that I drive by on the way to this church um, every week. And so you probably do the same. And some people can say, you know, you can tell by the, how much you love your church, by how many churches you drive by or what amount of traffic you're willing to sit in or that kind of thing. And so we're glad that you are here and we're glad that you're a part of SEC. Well, if I could tell you the reason that the church matters to me the most... It probably predates my even adulthood, uh, but the church matters so much to me because it saved my life. And so many of you probably have somewhat of the same story, maybe even that I have, and that how the church saved your life. If I can tell you what I mean by that is that, you know, my testimony is probably dull compared to most, uh, to some testimonies. Mine's pretty boring. I was a kid that was pretty much a rule follower my entire life. And so I, you know, if there's a sign that says, don't touch the wet paint, I don't touch it. I'm just a rule follower. I'm married to the very opposite of that, by the way. And uh, many of you know Danny, and he is totally opposite. You know, like you can tell by how many speeding tickets he's gotten versus how many I've gotten. And you'll know that to be true. Uh, but I was a rule follower, sometimes even known as a goody two-shoes, if you would. And so um, that was kind of my thing. So my testimony as far as how I became, became a Christian, I really, honestly, I think I shared this with you last time I spoke, I really don't even remember the day that I asked Jesus into my heart. It's just been um, my entire life kind of growing up in the local church. And so I don't say that the church saved my life because of the life of sin or the things that I was into, but I say it this way, the church saved my life because it prevented a lot of things. And maybe you would say that too. You know that the church prevented things in your life and, and showing you ways to, to live your life in order to prevent what it is that you want uh, to stay away from. And some of you would say with your children, you know, that's your hope for them, that they'll learn uh, better than you, that the, some of the things that you went through that they won't have to go through, and that the church can even be a part of helping prevent that. I had so many wonderful influences in my life growing up. Of course, my parents were always faithful Christians as far back as I can remember, but so many people in the church as well. Through vacation Bible school and kids groups and youth groups and 
um, Sunday school and uh, Bible verses and Bible songs and all those types of things. I can't imagine what my life would look like if all those influences were pulled out of my life. I'm sure that it would look very different. I'm sure that it would be a lot worse, that maybe I would have gotten involved in things that I never would have gotten involved in, you know, uh, because of the church being the, the, the institution that would help prevent so many of these things. When I see like 65 students come to 155, our student ministry on Sunday night, when I watch, maybe you don't know, but over 175 kids show up every week at this church to, serve, to, to uh, share in their experience, their worship experience, while you share in yours, just in a different environment. I watched 50 kids go to camp this summer, to church camp, and tomorrow, over 100 kids will show up here for Vacation Bible School. Please pray for us, okay? We're excited about that, but when I watch all these kids, I can't help but think of me. And I can't think of help, uh, of, of, uh, think, help but think of what the church meant to me and how it prevented so many different things going on that I could have been a part of, but I wasn't because of the church. So why does the church matter so much to you? Maybe your story is very different from mine. Why should it matter to you now? And what I would say to you today is this. This is the bottom line of the whole thing today. Why should the church matter to me? Because you're not that good. You're just not that good enough. Guess what? Neither am I. We are not good enough to do life alone. We're not good enough to stay out of the things that we will tend to, uh, to go toward. We're not good enough to keep our relationships sometimes in check with God without people in our life pulling us and encouraging us along the way. We're not good enough. And so we need the local church in our lives. The family and the local church, I think, are the most important institutions that God ever created. And so the local church is so important in order that we can be all that God has called us to be. I think that Jesus gave a great vision of what he wanted the church to be, and he painted that, I think, in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 29. I want to read that to you today. Jesus and his disciples are walking along uh, the road, and this is what Jesus uh, said and, and what happened. It said, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, and you didn't learn this from any other human being. And now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Jesus painted a picture of what it was that he wanted the church to be because he didn't want us to do life alone. If you've been in church for any length of time, you may have heard this really humorous story that's really fake, but it just sounds like a bad episode of Tom and Jerry, the cartoon, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're too young to know about that. But this story's been told a lot, and so it's about a guy that got hurt at work, and he had to write a little bit more explanation to the insurance adjuster, and this is what he said. To whom it may concern, I'm writing in response to your request for additional information from block number 11 of the insurance form, which asked for the cause of injury. And I answered, 
trying to do the job alone as the cause of my accident. I trust that the following details will be sufficient. He goes on to say, I'm a bricklayer by trade, and on the day of the accident, I was working along on a roof of a new six-story building. When I finished the job, I had some bricks left over, which were later found to weigh 500 pounds. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them into a barrel by using a pulley which was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Do you see any problems coming up here? Securing the rope at the ground level, I went back up to the roof, loaded the bricks into the barrel, and pushed it over the side. Then I went down and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the bricks. You will note in block number six of the form that I weigh 145 pounds. Due to my surprise at being pulled off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rapid rate up the side of the building. Between the second and third floors, I met the barrel. This explains for the bruises and lacerations in my upper body. I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until my right hand was jammed in the pulley. This accounts for my broken thumb. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Now empty of the weight of the bricks, the barrel weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to block number six where my weight is listed. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel again. This accounts for the injuries to my lower body. The encounter with the barrel seemed to slow me enough to lessen my injuries, but I fell onto the pile of bricks, and unfortunately, three vertebrae were cracked. I'm sorry to report, as I lay there on the pile of bricks in pain, unable to move, and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my composure and presence of mind and let go of the rope. I lay there watching the empty barrel begin its journey back toward me. I trust this answers your concern. Please note that I'm finished trying to do the job alone. So you can see that Jesus here has just painted a picture of what he wants the church to be, and he doesn't want us to be alone either. And so I want to talk to you today about four things I think the church is so good at doing, and I want you to be a part of that. But I just want to make a disclaimer really quickly before we go into filling in our blanks. Some people say, and maybe you've heard this as well, I love Jesus, but I just don't love the church. Well, can I tell you that just doesn't work? Because Jesus said his bride is the church. He says his body is the church. The body of Christ is the church. And that would kind of be like some of you guys having someone come up and say to you, you know, I like you, but I don't like your wife. Well, that just wouldn't fly really well, would it? Or maybe they would come up to you and say, you know what? I like you, but I don't like your body. Hey, you know, that's a little personal, right? That's not what we want to hear. So Jesus is saying, look, I save your soul. Salvation is so important. But along, right after that, your next step is the local church. Why? Because it's an incubator for young Christians. And it's a place that we can grow and we can be a part of God's kingdom. So here's four things that I think the church does such a, a good job at. doesn't mean that we're perfect because the church is made up of people, right? So we're not perfect, but these are good things I think the church does. Number one, helps us form relationships that last a lifetime. The church helps us form relationships that last a lifetime. Let's revisit the uh, verse number 16 that we just read. Remember, Jesus asked Peter, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. 
I don't know about you, but I think God probably has used the church probably for most of us in this room in order for us to come to know him. That maybe you were sitting in a room some similar to this. Maybe it was this room. And Pastor Jeff or one of the pastors gave a message and asked you if you wanted to become a Christ follower and you checked yes on that box and that day you prayed the prayer and you became a follower of Jesus. And so many times the Holy Spirit will use the local church to ask people, who do you say that I am? Will you let me in? And so that is what Jesus would, would use the local church uh, to do. But not only that, to connect us to others as well, to connect us to each other. So Ephesians 2 and 19 tells us this. There's another relationship that we should be involved in. And it says, you belong in God's household with every other who? So not only do you need a relationship with Jesus, but you need a relationship with other Christians. Why? Because you're not that good. We're not that good. I'm not that good. You're not that good. We're not good enough to do life alone. And so we need one another. Not only does the church introduce us to Jesus, but it introduces us to each other. Brandon Keller, our student director, preached last week, and he did a fantastic job talking to us about relationships. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that message as he was telling us about the important types of relationships that we need in our life. And I would encourage you to listen to that. But not only do we need each other, but our kids, our nieces, our nephews, our grandchildren. The church is there to help us widen the circle of influence in our life with our kids. Why? Because, as I've said many times before in this message, you're not good enough, parent. And guess what? I'm not either. Especially if you have a teenager, there's going to come a day when, guess what? They're not going to listen to you as much as they may listen to others. Now, I think you'll always be the number one influence in the life of your kid. I don't think anything can take that away. But there's going to come a time when it's easier for them to listen to someone else than it is you. And don't you want that other person saying the same thing that you would say, but just in a different perspective? And so I think it's important that we widen the circle of influence in our life. I have a son that just turned three Thursday. And I'm already in his life working on men, working on adults, putting him in his life. So that when, guess what, he turns 15 and he's not listening to mom and dad. He's listening to them. And they're saying the same thing to him that, that I would say. Here at this church, in our student ministry, and our kids ministry, the number one way that we try to put adults and influencers in the life of your kids is through groups and group leaders. And then one of the main roles of a group leader is to make you, the parent, the hero. That is what we've been trying to be very intentional this last uh, six months of really helping the quality of our groups go up because we want to make you, the parent, the hero. That whatever you would say if it's following Jesus ways that we would say that same thing to that child and when they say but my mom and dad are so unfair that we can point them to the love that they have for them and so groups help us as parents relationships helps us as parents to parent better why because we're just not good enough by ourselves now I think the second thing that the church does is I think it provides the framework for our morals to be defined. The church helps provide the framework for our morals to be defined. Let's look at what Jesus went on to say to Peter. After, after Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, 
Jesus said in verse 17, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed. Will you circle the word revealed? He has revealed this to you. You did not learn. Will you circle the word learn? You did not learn this from any human being. See, it's through God's word, and I believe it's through the church that God reveals. That's, he helps us to learn what it is that God's character is. The ways that he wants us to live. The things that he wants us to do. The church taught me that having a relationship with Jesus Christ every day should be my first priority. The church taught me that. The church taught me that being committed to my brothers and sisters in Christ shows that I'm a disciple. The church taught me how to repent of my sins. And how to turn from, from the things that I was doing and turn toward him. The church taught me about the character of God. That I'm created in his image. And although, you know, some animals have instinct, it's only us that we have the, the choice to make right and wrong decisions. And that because I'm created in the image of God, I can do that. The church taught me that. The church taught me to be generous. When I was in high school, I would get an allowance of about like 20 bucks a week. And to show my age, my car when I was 16, I believe $10 would fill it up because gas was like 87 cents a gallon, which is fantastic looking back. I would take $2 of that $20, put it in an envelope and put it in the tithe uh, offering every week and then live on eight. I don't know how I did that. I think it was because probably McDonald's hamburgers were 59 cents, you know, back in the day. Thank you, Chandler. Yes, if you can relate to that. So I think that's how I did it, but also I understood that, you know, being generous and giving makes your finances go a lot further. Can I tell you this? Andy Stanley, who's a, a local pastor, you probably heard of him in our Atlanta area, made a statement, and I thought it was so profound. He said, when you become generous, you invite God into your finances. When you learn to give, when you learn to be generous, and it's something that you learn, it's not just something that we are when we're born. When you learn to be generous, you in invite God into your finances. I mean, how many of us could uh, use God helping us in our finances, right? All of us, probably. That's where we need it most many times. We never have enough savings. We, all the expenses always are more than the income. What do we do? We invite God to be in our finances through giving. And I understood that the church taught me that early on. I tell you, it's easy to put $2 in an offering envelope. And then when you grow up and you make big girl money and big boy money, that's a lot harder, isn't it? Because you look at the total that you give over a month and you're like, man, that's a car payment. Or, wow, that's a laptop computer. Or, wow, this is this or that. So I'm so thankful and grateful that the church taught me that early on so that I have to learn to do that. It's just something that I always did. But you can always start somewhere. And it invites God into your finances. And I'm so grateful and so thankful for that. Why is the church so important? Because we're not that good. We're not that good. And so number three, I think the thing that the church does so well is that it instills a sense of purpose. It instills a sense of purpose. Look at what Jesus went on to tell Peter again in Matthew verse, uh, 16, verse 18. It says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I think Peter understood his destiny that day. 
And Jesus wasn't saying that, Peter, you're the foundation for the church. No, he w Jesus was the foundation and is the foundation for the church. But Jesus is saying, Peter, I want you to know your place. You're going to have a huge role in this, this movement that is called the church. And Peter, you're going to preach a sermon. And 3,000 people are going to come to know me just because of your sermon. Peter began to understand his destiny, his gifts. And Jesus spoke something into him that maybe he didn't even know he had. I don't know about you, but I learned about my gifts and talents mostly in the local church. I was 14 years old when I began teaching children. And I learned that I could tell a story and keep them engaged throughout most of the lesson. When I was 16, my youth pastor, who actually was Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor here, gave me an opportunity to preach my first sermon when I was 16. It was a Sunday night service, and it was, there was a lot of people there. It was a youth service, and I was scared. But he believed in me, and he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he allowed me to have an opportunity. And that's what we want for you. That's what we want for you, that what you don't see in yourself maybe would be drawn out in order that you can find fulfillment, that you can find peace. If you're looking for peace and fulfillment inside, I would encourage you to begin to learn what your gifts and, and, and how God's shaped you in order to be able to fulfill his will for your life. Look at what 1 Corinthians 12 and 27 it says. It says, now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it, each with its own special purpose. Will you circle that word? And function. Each of you with his own special purpose, and function. I don't know if you know this, but we have some really great tools at SEC in order to help you find what it is that you're good at, to find your purpose, to find what it is that God wants you to do. It starts with a series of classes that are just made to be like orientations, springboards, if you will, in order to get you thinking about what it is maybe that God wants you to do with your life. The first one is Discovering SEC. That's the one that you hear about a lot around here, especially from the stage. It's our membership class. It's where you go and you find out if this is a, a, a church that you want to be a part of, if you can uh, you know, kind of relate to the vision and that resonates with you and that's what you want to do and you want to go and be a part of that. And that's what 101 is. And it's happening next week and also in August and in any month that we're uh, here, um, we're going to hold those classes. And you can just look on your connection card for those dates. But maybe you don't know the members-only classes that come after those. And that's 201, 301, and 401. Now, class 201 is really awesome. I think it's one of the best classes because it's, a, it's an orientation about how to develop spiritual disciplines in your life. And you say, well, that doesn't sound very fun. But when you want to develop a relationship with someone, you spend time with them. And so this shows how to develop a relationship with Jesus every day through your Bible, through prayer, different ways to do that based on your personality. There's not just one way, there's a lot of ways. Then also, how do you become generous? Maybe you want to be generous. How do you do that? And so that would be a class that you could take and you could learn some of those things. Groups. Why is that so important? Why are relationships so important? And that would be really good for you to learn. 301 is the class after that. That's where you learn your shape. That's where you learn what you're good at. That's where you learn your gifts and your talents. SHAPE stands for spiritual gifts. 
heart? What do you love to do? Your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. What do those things do to, to create what God has created you for a, a ministry to do, to be fulfilled, to serve in? And then 401 is the last class, the last orientation kind of class, last members-only class, and it's about being a world-class Christian. What does that mean? How do you think about what God is doing in the world? How do I talk to that person at work that is not going to listen to me about Jesus? What kind of testimony do I bring to them? What about that person in my family that's cold toward my faith, cold toward God or anything spiritual? How do I talk to them? How do I write my testimony in order that somebody would listen? What's God doing in the world? That's what these classes are about. So I'd encourage you on the back of your connection card, sign up for the class that you need next. And you say, gosh, Chesney, it's been two years. I don't even know what the last class was that I was taking. Well, just write us a little note down here. We'll look it up, and we'll let you know what class it is that you need to take. But I'd encourage you to take, uh, do it next week or, or August. We gave some opportunities there. And we want you to be a part of that. But remember that 201 through 401 are members only. And then 101 is for if you want to become a member. Now, what is the fourth thing that I think the church does so well? And that's this. I think it expands my view of God's work in the world. It expands my view of God's work in the world. Look at what Jesus said to Peter as they're continuing this conversation. He says, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, Peter, you're going to have the opportunity to explain my will to the world. That's all he's saying. Peter, you're going to have a chance to go and preach the good news. And not only that, all the people after you. Everything that's been a mystery of God up until this point in the New Testament was going to be made plain. And Peter was going to get to be a part of that. And we're still getting to be a part of that today. How do we become aware of what it is that God's doing in the world? How do we see what it is that he wants to do? And I think it starts with becoming a part of the local church. I don't know about you, but I never would have been able to be a part of building a stick church in Africa if it wasn't for this local church. We did that like three years ago. I don't know about you, but I would never be able to be a part of a mission trip that's going on in September Sending kids and sending students and sending adults to Nicaragua to a deaf school in order that kids that can't hear can know about Jesus. I would never be able to be a part of that unless it were for this local church. You say, where do I start? What do I do? Can I give you just a little hint? One thing that you could do is everybody takes out a shirt or a dress or something to wear every day. Look at the tag inside that dress or that shirt. Where is it made? Pray for that country. Watching the news. What countries are they talking about? What states are they talking about? What's going on in our country? Pray for them. When you begin to do that, God begins to do something in you. And he begins to help you to see with his eyes the things that break his heart. And you begin to see through his love. And you begin to be able to, you begin to care. And some of those hard parts of your, our hearts, they, they kind of fall off. We begin to think about others besides ourselves. I don't know about you, but I think our memory verse today pretty much says it all. And if we would just all do this, our country would be in a lot better place. And it says this, do to others 
as you would have them do to you. That's what Jesus created us to do and to be a part of as the local church. He wanted it to be instrumentally carried out through us, through his body, through the church. Nothing else is going to last forever. A hundred years from now, this nation may not be here. One hundred years from now, businesses probably won't be here. One hundred years or two hundred years from now, Apple may not be here. But you know what will be here forever? The church. The church will always last. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not conquer it. They won't and they, will, they can't. And they have not. I encourage you to go back and listen to Jesus' words that he asked Peter in the very beginning. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit's knocking at your heart's door. Using this local body in order that you can hear his voice. Who do you say that I am? Jesus wants you to know that he's here. And it doesn't matter what your testimony looks like, if it looks like mine or if it's very different. There's a prayer that you can pray that's inside your program. It's a prayer to become a follower of Christ. And I invite you just to say it in your seat right where you are. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to come forward. You can just read it along with me as I read it aloud. It says, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Please help me turn from my sins and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. I just ask that on the back of the connection card, you just check the box to let us know that you prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower so we can pray for you and send you some things to help you in your journey. I'm excited to introduce to you this next story that you're going to hear. It's a story that's very different from mine. A testimony that's very different from mine. It's not dull by any stretch of the imagination. It's a story by the man that I'm privileged to be married to. And I can tell you that Danny is, uh, I don't know of a bigger fan of the local church than he. And I don't know a bigger fan of Stockbridge Community Church than he is. So open your hearts and listen to his story. My name's Danny. You see me on stage maybe singing, but my life hasn't always been like it is today. I grew up in the projects of Clayton County, and my mom, she was a single parent. She and my dad divorced when I was really young, and I really don't remember them being together. They were loving parents, but at the time, they didn't follow God's plan, so his ways weren't priority. The fact is, when my mom was pregnant, she went to an abortion clinic to abort me. It wasn't that she was a bad person, but she already had two kids and couldn't afford more. And again, she wasn't following God's ways. She didn't have enough money when she arrived at the clinic and was too far along in her pregnancy. And so she didn't have a choice. She had to leave. She found someone to adopt me, a family, but she couldn't go through with it. My mom worked so my sister and I had to stay home with my brother. He was seven years older and the things that he would bring around us and things that we were exposed to at such a young age weren't the best. I was exposed to marijuana at eight years old. My brother would put me in situations and tell me that I had to fight or just drop me off in the middle of the woods and leave me. 
He loved me, but needless to say, he wasn't the best hitter. My mom met a pastor when I was 12 because his son and I played baseball together. He invited us to go to church, and we did. It was great. My mom gave her life to God, and she began to find peace. When I turned 15, I began to want to do things on my own, so I quit school. It was easy because I was back and forth between my mom and dad so much that schools really didn't even know if I was enrolled in one place or the other. When I turned 17, I moved out on my own and got my own apartment. I always wanted to get out of the projects, and so I was determined to make that happen. I got involved with a girl that would remain my girlfriend for eight years. I realized that she wasn't the person I wanted to marry, but there just never seemed a good time to break it off. At 23 years old, I found myself living a life that I knew what I wasn't created for. I had friends, I had a job, but I had no purpose and no meaning in life. I had what I thought I always wanted, but still there was something that felt empty. So I left it all. I had to move back in with my mom till I could get on my feet and get reestablished, but at least I was away from all the emptiness that I felt. I began to go back to the same church that my mom and I found when I was 12. It was like family. They welcomed me back and made me feel accepted and gave me an opportunity to use my gifts and talents. I began to work in the student ministry and sing with the students and eventually ended up with adult worship where you see me now. As I began to get more involved, I began to see God using me and helping me see that my purpose, what my purpose was and that I could make a difference. God took me from a job as a painter with a construction company to sales with a Fortune 500 company, seeing things and being a part of opportunities that I never thought I would have or see. I met Chesney and after some really hard begging and persuading, we began to date. And two years later, we got married. We just celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. Hallelujah. Three years this past weekend, we adopted a baby boy named Drew. This church prayed for us and supported us through this process. Even when it doesn't make sense, if you can put God first in your life, He will bring a miracle out of a mess. No matter if your testimony is like mine or Chesney's, God uses everyone that is willing. He used the local church to relay God's love to me and gave me an opportunity to have a much better life. There's nothing like the local church, and in my opinion, there's nothing like this church, Stockbridge Community. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.